Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? You are listening to The Big Cruise Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 95 of the Big Cruise Podcast. My name is Baz, I'm your host, and it's with great pleasure that we bring you uh, this week's episode, which is jam-packed full of uh, great cruise news, and uh, Chris will be joining us in just a second to answer a great listener question that came in uh, from Frankie. Now, Frankie sent his question in via the Buy Me A Coffee app, uh, so thank you uh, to Frankie for that one, and just a reminder, if you yourself have a question, uh, do send it through to us via the website or the Buy Me A Coffee app, and we'll do our best to answer that for you. Now, today's episode was recorded on Friday, the 15th of April. That is, of course, Good Friday. And whether you're listening to us over the Easter weekend or after the Easter weekend, we hope you had a very uh, happy and healthy weekend with your loved ones. Thank you also to those of you that listen, like, and subscribe in your favourite podcast apps. That really is helping. We're getting more and more listeners every day from around the world and some from very diverse countries as well. So whether you're listening for the first time or you're a long and loyal listener, uh, thank you equally. Uh, But let's get straight into it. Let's get Chris on the phone and let's start answering that great listener question and move straight into Cruise News. Enjoy. Me again, just wanted to thank those of you that have supported us via Buy Me a Coffee. Um, if you're not familiar with that uh, system, it's a little bit like Patreon, where you can support your favorite YouTuber or artist. Um, we use Buy Me a Coffee, which is basically because we love coffee. Um, and in a nutshell, you can donate the cost of a coffee, about four Australian dollars, or multiple coffees if you prefer. Um, and in return, you receive priority access to all of the podcasts. So it doesn't matter where you listen to your podcast. If you support us via Buy Me a Coffee, you'll receive an email every week um, just saying the new podcast is live and available. Here's the link, or listen to it in your favorite podcast. And uh, it gets to you about... 12 to 24 hours before anybody else gets access to it so it's a a great little bonus there and uh, once again it's about four Aussie dollars Um, one coffee multiple coffees you decide but every little donation is greatly appreciated and just a reminder you can find the link uh, to buy me a coffee in the show notes on the website and uh, also via the buy me a coffee app thanks in advance (laughs) 
the first part of the show, it's always our great pleasure and privilege to welcome good friend and maritime historian Chris Frame back to the show. Hey, Chris. Hey, Baz. Good to be back. Nice it to is. be here again. In fact, interestingly enough, we're recording this on Friday, the 15th of April, and that date is a pretty significant date in maritime history because, of course, it's a, it's a sad date, actually. It's the date that the Titanic sank 110 oh. years ago. We were recording this on the same day last year then. Obviously not on a Friday. We were. It was 109. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's wow. 110 years. Um, wow. So, of course, the, the, the Titanic, she, she hit the iceberg um, at 11.40 p.m. ship's time um, in the North Atlantic on the um, 14th of April. Oh, uh, so pretty, and, pretty close to the, what we're on now. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So for us recording this, yes, if you were to do the time, time conversion, it's almost, <laughs> it's almost exactly that time over in the, um, on the Atlantic with the time difference. Uh, but the ship itself uh, did take quite a time to, to sink. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it wasn't until about 2.20 the following morning on the 15th that the, the ship did sink. So, mm. um, you know, the 15th of April is, of course, always remembered as the date that the Titanic sank. And uh, I remember the 100th anniversary a decade ago now, Baz, as if it was just yesterday. So, know, um, but, uh, you know, a moment, of course, of um, reflection there for the, for the people who lost their lives on board. But um, after the Titanic sank, there were many uh, changes to the way that safety was addressed with passenger ships, mm-hmm. including the establishment of the Safety of Life at Sea yeah, um, Solas, conventions. Yeah. Solas, yes, exactly. Um, and the International Ice Patrol, which um, uh, uh, sort of uh, the, the later variants of it still exist to this day as well. So, um, mm. you know, it was, a, it was a, um, a world-changing event, really, when it comes to those sorts of things. Yeah, and I believe there's a big um, expo taking place in uh, Miami, Florida, um, marking this uh, milestone, of course, and uh, putting on display some uh, new artifacts that may not have been seen before. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a limited, um, obviously, number of artifacts that have been uh, brought up, but it does take a long time to, to restore them because um, mm. they do need, after spending 100 years uh, at those sorts of depths, they do need an awful lot of care to get them um, ready for sort of yeah. viewing in a... Um, climate-controlled environment, that sort of thing. Uh, so, you know, it can take quite a while for those um, items that have already been brought up from the wreck to be restored. And, you know, again, it was about it was about a decade ago that the Titanic exhibition uh, came to Australia. It was in um, predominantly in Melbourne, and there was the the big piece, which is the large. What's that? It's, compared to the whole ship, it's actually quite a small section of the hull, but it's mm-hmm. a very large piece of metal. That actually includes uh, several portholes and one of the shell doors, one of the embarkation doors, and that was on display. And I remember seeing that, and you kind of come around um, during this sort of trail throughout the ship, and then you end up in this quite cold room with this huge piece of the ship's hull there. And it was quite a, a moving experience actually, mm, to see be. to see something like that. Yeah, that had come from the deep. Brilliant. Um, let's hope it comes back to Australia at some point in the future so we can we can take another look. Um, Chris, we've got a great listener question, and this one actually came in a couple of weeks ago, but I only found it in the Buy Me A Coffee app just a couple of days ago, so I have sent it through to you. But um, it ties in. Um, Frankie was listening to a previous episode, and we were obviously talking about funnels, and he asked, why does P&O Cruises UK no longer use the yellow funnels? Yes, that's a good question, because, of course, P&O um, as a brand – uh, Peninsula and Oriental Steam Navigation Company, uh, from from uh, predominantly from the 1930s, 
started to utilize the buff um, yellow mm-hmm. funnel. Yep. And unlike, say, White Star Line, where it was yellow with a black tip, P&Os were just yellow from top to bottom, so predominantly just a big yellow funnel. And um, they became sort of popularized uh, with the ships uh, of the Strath class, so Strath mm-hmm. Eden, Strath Aird, Strath Neighbor. They were actually nicknamed the White Sisters because these were the first P&O ships to be painted completely in white from, from top to bottom, so the hull oh, okay. and the superstructure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so they introduced the, the buff funnels uh, on those ones as well, and initially the ships had um, three funnels but two were dummies, so um, it was quite you know, a, a dominant appearance to have these three big buff funnels. Yep. Uh, and it became the, the P&O livery from the 1930s all the way through to 2014. Um, when uh, this is for P&O, um, particularly in the UK, the, the decision was made, it was quite controversial at the time actually, um, to, to repaint the ships uh, to give them hull art with the installation of a union flag mm-hmm. um, motif, I suppose, on the on the bow of the ships, which of course P&O had never had. Um, and then also to, to paint the funnels in a, in a sort of darkish blue. Um, and that's when we saw the, the buff funnel start to go from, from the P&O UK fleet. Um, and that ended, you know, you know, decades of, of that brand yeah. identity, uh, which had been of course so well received on board P&O ships such as Aurora and Oriana and Canberra before it, and of course all the older ships that we were, you know, we've spoken about in other podcasts, but including this, all the way back to the Strass Sisters. And um, you know, they started with Aurora; so she was the first one to be painted in the new colour. But it was all really designed around um, the launch of Britannia, yeah. which was their new ship that was under construction at the time. And she had twin funnels, which actually um, is interesting because it kind of um, in some ways pays respect to the Canberra, which had twin funnels, but Canberra's mm. twin funnels were like long and tall and yep. grouped next to each other, whereas Britannia's are quite rounded and fat and sort of sit one in front of the other. So there's like a few little sort of historical connections there. But um, the other thing to think about, of course, is that uh, P&O in Australia had stopped using the buff-coloured funnels before P&O in the UK. Yep. So... Um, when P&O in Australia um, acquired uh, Sitma Cruises, they actually got the Fair Star, and she had a white funnel with a – actually, she had a blue funnel, sorry, I should say, with a sort of um, uh, stylized icon on it. And that was actually replaced by a white funnel with a dolphin uh, uh, oh. logo, <laughs> of, all, of all things. Um, and that became sort of P&O Australia's sort of Australian icon uh, up until – um, she was replaced by the Fair Princess, and the Fair Princess had the buff-coloured funnel, so that came back. Ah. And they, they held on to that for a bit, but then when they brought in some of their newer ships, they actually painted the name of the ship on the funnel in sort of a stylized font. You might remember Pacific mm-hmm. Sky and Pacific yeah, yeah. Um, Star, they had those. And then they've kind of uh, dropped that and gone for, for white, and now it's a it's sort of a, just a huge P&O lettering on the funnel. So yep. they haven't had that in Australia for quite some time, but I think because the UK brand was sort of so connected with the home port and the yeah. um, the heritage, it was actually, um, you know, quite poorly received by many um, regulars back at the time. And I think, of course, now these days everyone's used to it. But you still do get quite a lot of people asking, like, I mean, Frankie yeah. himself or herself. <laughs> um, but, 
um, you know, even now I still get questions probably several times a month about why they've changed the funnels, why they don't go back to the old funnel color. And look, I mean, there's obviously lots of decisions that are made when it comes to, to brands, but if they were to announce that they're going back to their buff colored funnels, I would be cheering from the top of the, <laughs> you know, from the top <laughs> of the mast because it's just, it just seems right. It would be like Cunard changing their funnel color. You, you couldn't yeah. take the red and black away. Um, and, and similar with, with piano or carnival, you know, with their iconic, yeah, the whale tail, yeah, carnival. Yes, exactly. Like if you remove that, that's a huge statement, a huge change. So, but one of the things that's interesting about it is that if you look at the P and O UK funnels, they're blue, but they have a, a gold, um, rising sun. I was just going to ask you about that. Yeah. Yeah. And that actually is a stylized version of a rising sun emblem that they have used on the bow of their ships for decades. And it's actually supposed to depict the Oriental connection, the connection right. with the Far East, which yep. is part of the Peninsula and Oriental. Because when P&O was first founded, it was actually founded as the Peninsula Steam Navigation Company. And it wasn't until they decided they were going to go and start sailing to Asia, which in an era before the Suez Canal mm. was created was a huge decision. Yeah. Um, that they they renamed themselves, reconstituted as P- Peninsula and Oriental, even before the first voyages set sail uh, to Asia. And they, they sort of started to utilize this rising sun um, iconography. So that, right. is a, that is a historical connection there. It's a very stylized, modern sort of 2000s version of it. Yep. But it, it does have that link. Yeah, I, th- I was going to ask if that uh, that Rising Sun was a new creation on the Dark Funnel, if there was something. But you obviously just just ticked that one off. So uh, yeah. well done once again, Chris. Well, if you if you you know you've seen many of these ships, but people around around the world will know. Like if you look at the bow of say Aurora, yeah, she has the original on the very front of the bow. She she has one of the original Rising Sun emblems there on the mm-hmm. bow. Um, and then she's got the stylized one on the funnel. But what's interesting is that P&O owned Princess for many years. Mm. And it was P&O Princess as the cruise brand. And so the Princess ships throughout the 1990s and into the early 2000s before they were acquired and merged into the Carnival Corporation, the Princess ships used to have the P&O logo in small font on the bow and also this um, on the superstructure, I should say, and also the Rising Sun emblem on the bow. And if you look at some of the princess ships that were built, many of the grand class ships that were built yeah. in that time, you can actually still see the rising sun emblem on the bow. It's still there, it's still uh-huh. in full color. So another little connection. And if you look really closely at the hull of the ship, on some of them, you can actually see where the P&O lettering was. It's been removed, of course, and painted over, but you can still make out the, where the welding was. So uh-huh. there you go. What don't you know, Chris? Hey, well, it's a sign of sign of someone who spent way too much time looking at the ships. <laughs> so, <laughs> if you know where the welding is, you know. <laughs> well, brilliant. Well done. Thank you for that question, Frankie, and of course, thanks to you, Chris, uh, for answering that one. Also, a little shout out to Rosalia. Um, Rosalia, you've been in touch um, via Buy Me a Coffee again, and uh, had some great comments uh, supporting Chris in his walk a couple of weeks ago and wishing him well. So, thank you very, very much for that. As promised, I did send them over uh, to you, Chris, as well. So. Thank you. Yeah, if people are keen to get in touch, you can do so either via Buy Me The Coffee, um, there's a little advert about that somewhere in the podcast, or, of course, via the website, thebigcruisepodcast.com, and uh, click on Join the Show in the top right-hand corner. Chris, let's take a little break, and then we'll be back with uh, Cruise News. Sounds good. If, like me, you're not a great fan of fast fashion and you prefer to do things uh, a little bit more sensitively if you can, 
All of our Big Cruise podcast merchandise is uh, sourced using only organic cotton, produced using only green energy, and there is zero plastic used in any of the process or packaging. Um, it's a great alternative to uh, buying a cheap souvenir t-shirt. You can buy merchandise with the Big Cruise podcast logo, or you can design your own. Simply jump on. We've got a whole heap of different uh, designs, different styles of clothing as well. And once again, it's all organic, it's all green energy, and there's zero plastic in the whole production. You'll find the link to how to do that in uh, the show notes for each and every episode but just jump on the website the big cruise podcast and look in the top right hand corner okay chris uh, not quite as much news this week because it is obviously a short week with uh, easter but we've still got uh, a fair bit to get through so let's start off with uh, piano uk we were just talking about them of course mm. um, they've actually had to unfortunately cancel seven departures on arcadia yeah, so it's in response to the current and ongoing impact that COVID has on the ability to staff ships. So mm. basically, the hospitality and travel um, industry has been disrupted in the UK. There's still, you know, a lot of COVID in the UK. Um, and so the cancellations um, include a series of voyages from April through to June. Um, the, the itineraries are all listed in the um, in the show notes. but. Yep. What's interesting is that Arcadia was the last of the P&O ships to re- UK ships to return to service. Mm. And the company had just been celebrating, of course, Arcadia has returned the whole fleet back in and now, unfortunately, they've had to, they've had to announce these cancellations. Um, the first one's already already been cancelled and we're going to see it through to June. Um, so P&O, you know, in the UK, it, it's um, done great to be able to get so many of its ships back in service, but it's not immune to these kind of disruptions. Yeah, in effect, they've basically taken the crew from Arcadia and put them onto other vessels in the fleet, basically to make sure that the service levels are there and the, the you know the typical P and O experience is, is delivered on the, yeah. the, the other ships that are in service. And it's not only affecting crews; it has affected a couple of airlines as well. I know there was massive cancellations across Europe the other day because there simply wasn't crew available to to, to man the flights. So yeah, well, the same thing's happening here. I mean, I've I've heard um, through through my aviation connections that some of the airlines here are sending out like requests to to the pilots to please be available to fly because there's just so many people who have got to isolate because of the um, COVID uh, situation. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, as you mentioned, those sailings that are affected are in the show notes, but, of course, you will be contacted either either by the cruise line or, of course, by the travel agent that you booked through to uh, to advise you if you are impacted by any of those sailings. Now, let's come back to P&O Cruises back here in Australia because <laughs> we're talking on Friday, Good Friday, and uh, just on Easter Monday next week, we'll be welcoming back, of course, the first of the P&O ships, and they're going to be doing it in style, Chris. Oh, how exciting is this? So, the first time that an internationally flagged cruise ship is going to sail into Sydney Harbour, and, in fact, any Australian port, mm. for over two years, Baz. Uh, two years, one month, I think it is, something like that. Yep. Um, so Pacific Explorer is is the ship. Um, she is the flagship of P and O Cruises Australia. Of course, for those of you who um, know your ships, she was the former uh, uh, Dawn Princess for um, Princess Cruises. So she's a, um, uh, a ship of the Sun class, which makes mm-hmm. her you know a very popular design. Um, they had four of them in service at one, at, at one point uh, in the Princess fleet. But anyway, um, she will be arriving back on Easter Monday. Um, and she's going to get a special welcome from the uh, the, the a very distinct uh, a very easily distinguishable fire tug there in Sydney called the Shirley Smith, mm. and uh, it will be you know spraying the water in the air to welcome it back in, uh, and then there's a, a, a series series of different locations that they have advertised in Sydney Harbour that will allow you some great vantage points to see the ship and make several milestones on the way up to its berth at um, at Circular Quay. 
Yeah, so a reminder of those times, um, obviously all approximate at this stage, but around about 9.30 should be heading through the Sydney Heads. About 10.10 should be passing Fort Denison. Uh, mm. 10.20 passing the Opera House and she'll be alongside at the Overseas Passenger Terminal right in the heart of downtown Sydney there at 10.30am. And I'm expecting there'd be a lot of people out on the water along the shoreline there to, to welcome her back. So if you are in Sydney, do pop down and uh, give her a little wave from us. Gosh, I wish we could get, we could have gotten over there, but oh. you know the airfares in this, in Australia at the moment are so ridiculously expensive. Oh, After the last recording, actually, when we spoke about this, uh, Barry and I both were like, "Should we should we go to sea?" And we looked at the three, <laughs> and it was like, "Oh, it's like two thousand dollars to get there and back." <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah, we'll we'll pass so on. So no, that we'll one. watch we'll watch from um, from iPhones from friends, hopefully. <laughs> Now let's uh, head over to Celebrity Cruise Lines. They've made a partnership. Actually, it's not a new partnership. It's been talked about a little bit uh, during the pandemic. Um, But Goop, which is obviously the, the lifestyle brand of Gwyneth Paltrow, um, is going to be going to sea with uh, Celebrity Beyond uh, in September of 2022. Yeah, so it would um, be they were hosting a Goop at Sea event um, on Celebrity Beyond. It's a nine-night um, voyage in Italy and France. Mm. Um but interesting enough, it departs from Barcelona, so I guess that's multiple countries you're taking in there um, in September of this year. Yeah, not too far away at all. Um, now, I wasn't aware of this, but apparently Gwyneth Paltrow's had this uh, lifestyle brand, I guess is what you would call it, uh, wellness maybe. Um, and uh, she partnered with Celebrity uh, earlier back in 2021. She's become the, the lifestyle ambassador for Celebrity, mm. and now she's going to be going out to sea. And uh, it's been sold as a, as a wellness cruise, and uh, there'll be lots of Goop exclusives on board as well. So again, further details in the show notes if people are interested. Let's head over to Hawaii next because, of course, Pride of America is returning to her home. Yes, the Pride of America, of course, is the um, Hawaiian-based cruise ship for Norwegian Cruise Line. Mm -hmm. She is very unique because she is registered in the United States, which means that she can sail in Hawaii without having to leave American waters. Um, The reason why she's able to be registered in the U.S. is because her construction just barely meets the requirements for the Jones Act um, in so much as that her hull was actually built in the United States. It was originally laid down for a, a new company that was going to create a fleet of American-built cruise ships, um, but that didn't pan out and her, her construction was halted at the, I think she was under construction in the New Jersey shipyards, um, right. but then the hull itself was taken across to Germany where she was completed in Bremerhaven. Um, but because the hull was built in America, she's technically American built, and so <laughs> therefore she can be um, she can be flagged in America because they have to be American built and they have to be American crewed, um, majority American crewed. So she's got a very unique distinction. She's offers itineraries that no other major you know international cruise ship um, yeah. can, and uh, I think for NCL to be able to welcome her back to to Hawaii is you know just a huge morale boost for everybody. Um, in the cruise industry and also for the Hawaiian cruise market. Yeah, of course, she sells week cruises, uh, seven-day cruises. Um, She's just started her first, and uh, you can actually book all the way through till December of 2025 uh, with cruises departing every Saturday. And we have another record, Chris. Uh, NCL announced just uh, the other day that uh, the NFT collection, which we spoke about in the last episode, sold out in a record 20 minutes. Yes, and you know, I felt very um, funny after the last episode because you and I being cruise experts, we don't really know an awful lot about um, <laughs> NFTs. So we did a little bit of research thanks to our 
um, our dear friends at Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> um, and basically, um, NFT stands for non-fungible token. Um, and it's a, a non-interchangeable um, unit of, of data, I suppose, which is stored um, in, a, in a blockchain. Mm-hmm. Um, and it differs from something like uh, Bitcoin, which can be inter- it's interchangeable, right? So you've got yep. these these tokens that there's one off, they u- completely unique, and that's why there's an intrinsic value in them. I suppose people want they're driven to own something that no one else can own. Yeah, yeah, exclusivity. Um, yeah, exclus- exclusivity, even though it only exists in a digital format. So that melts my brain. But hey, if that's your thing. Go for it. So I'm not expecting you to know the answer to this. So let's assume that you purchased one of these tokens and you were entitled to this digital piece of art. Is there some way for you to display that piece of art digitally or is it just known somewhere that you've you've got it, it's yours? Well, from what I understood, there's like, there there is a, depending on what NFT you get, there is a um, ability to provide a public, viewable sort of right. authentication or certificate of, of, of authentic, yeah, yeah. or a certificate of authenticity <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know the, the weird thing is that there was I think um, there's a YouTuber called Johnny Harris um, who did a um, a video it was, it was like WT, what you know WTF is a yeah. NFT basically was his title or something <laughs> like that, and he used a um, one of the most famous and one of the most expensive NFTs was um, an NFT of a of a cat, but it was like a, a digital cat that had like a rainbow coming out of the back right. of it, and um, he tried to explain it because the thing is he people use that picture in videos and. Um, online to to show to talk about this NFT, but it's not the it's not the NFT that they're oh, using. It's, a it's like a, it's a reproduction of it. So it makes you wonder, like if you if people can repro- reproduce it, how how do you know it's real? But look, if you are a listener and you understand this sort of stuff more than I mean, I can talk to you about what the difference between turbines and uh, <laughs> and reciprocating <laughs> engines is. But when you get to this sort of level, I get I start to fall over a little bit. So if you well, are a listener, you, expert, you know, please, yeah, maybe we could have. Um, Somebody can give us some education. <laughs> well, hopefully there'll be no more NFTs around cruise and we won't have to talk about it again, maybe. Who knows? Well, yeah. if it's sold out in 20 minutes, I would suggest that all the other cruise lines are going to do it too. <laughs> and well done, NCL. Look, I mean, yeah. something different, right? Exactly, exactly. Um, but let's go back to what we know and love. Let's go back to real ships and things that we can touch and see and, and uh, travel on. Oceania has announced that uh, two more better-than-new ships, which basically translates as uh, two ships are going to have um, bow to stern, um, basically taken back to metal. What, what's it all about, Chris? Well, it's Riviera and Marina, right? So they've got this sort of Oceana Next um, uh, initiative, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and rather than it just being like a, a bit of a touch-up here and there, they're basically going to bring them into refurbishment and give them a completely new sort of it's look. like an extreme makeover. Yeah, exactly. And I think it will sort of bring them probably into, you know, the thing is with ships is you've got the, the, the hardware and the mechanics and that sort of stuff, but the interiors do change Dates. over time. The yeah, way the that dates, people, yeah. yeah, exactly. So it will give them an opportunity to, to, to reimagine how these beautifully designed uh, structurally um, ships can uh, you know can operate and will give them an opportunity to, to bring it up to the sort of standard of the newer ships they're bringing into their fleet. 
Mm. Um, so there'll be a whole heap of new um, staterooms that are going to be brought on board. Um, I have to say the staterooms look amazing. They do look very, very nice. Oh, yeah. You, you'll drop some of those pictures into the show notes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, sure, I, I assume rather. Um, but, you know, it brings in private retreats and special um, changeable lighting, new bathrooms, concierge-level veranda staterooms, which the ship's um, – Will benefit from, and you know, this is even includes rooms that are 900, uh, sorry, 291 square feet. I don't know what that is in meters, but anyway. Um, so you know, it will, it will reimagine how they how they look and, and give them a, a much you know greater lease in life for the future. Yeah, I love the sentence that was in the press release uh, reminiscent of a sun dappled Newport estate with the joie de vie of a Parisian apartment. <laughs> Goodness me. Somebody earned, their, somebody earned their writing dollars that day. <laughs> but no, they, they do look good. And yeah, pop into the show notes or into the news section to see some of those. And of course, Marina will uh, debut on November 13th of 23 on a seven day Barcelona to Lisbon. And uh, Riviera will debut on the a little earlier than that, actually, on the 7th of December, 2022, for a 16-day transatlantic cruise. You know what's fascinating as well, Baz, is that like for all the years leading up to the cruise shutdown that we you know, just sort of come out the other side of, um, passenger ships like this that were getting sort of, not Oceania, but like passenger ships in general, cruise ships in general, they get touch-ups here and there. Yeah. They, if you looked at, say, um, some of the ships that were being scrapped during the pandemic, their interiors were very much like slightly re recarpeted and reupholstered versions of the originals that came in in the 1980s. Mm-hmm. But the whole cruise industry has had an opportunity for two years to think about what does it want to look like. And I think yep. these sorts of things just show it's a completely different mindset to do a sort of stem to stern reimagining of, of a ship. Um, yep. It doesn't happen very often. It had happened a few times in the past. It was the mm-hmm. Norway for example, from NCL, which was a completely reimagined version of the France. QE2 had a big refit in 95 that gave her a completely new look. But it wasn't very common. But it's just nice to see that they're thinking about how to change the, yeah. you know, change things up again for the future. So good on um, Oceania. Yeah, and I was thinking, it doesn't relate to Oceania, I was thinking the other day, you remember that Joe Farkas, who designed all of the, the carnival interiors? Yeah. As crazy and as whimsical as some of those interiors are, they don't actually date because they're so out there and so different and in your face whereas you know a a a bland beige wood interior of a cruise ship over time changes when you know themes become dark and then back to light so uh, yeah it's actually quite clever i never thought of it until the other day but uh, it was actually very clever of joe farkas to go out there with all of his crazy designs because the ships just you know stood the test of time it was like nothing anyone had ever seen before when the first joe farkas designed carnival ships came out i mean they had it was the fantasy class at sea i think he's most Famous for, but he also worked on the um, on the la- some of the larger ships as well. But, and Costa um, as well. Yeah, and, and the Destiny class um, um, ships for Carnival, but the, the the Fantasy class ones. I mean, they had that central atrium with the with the glass ceiling there. You know, each one had the major elevator bank that went up the the, the center, but some of them were in dark colors, some of them were in neon lights. They all had different <laughs> sort of takes on a, on a central theme, and it just made them like these worlds that you stepped into where you couldn't find it anywhere else. Yeah. and because of that. As you say, like when you see the pictures on, and you can find them on YouTube of Carnival Fantasy, for example, it's a walkthrough of the ship as she's being scrapped. And if you switch the lights back on, those rooms would still be yeah. fit for use. <laughs> but she's at the end of her career. But she yeah. looks so, you know, fascinatingly bizarre that <laughs> that it kind of worked. It was amazing. Yeah. There was yeah. no date stamp on her, I guess. Yeah. No, exactly. <laughs> Uh, let's jump straight back into the news now, Chris. We've got something uh, from the, the Norwegian Holdings family, of course, Regent Seven mm. Seas. They've made an announcement here in Australia that they've partnered with the Australian Ballet. 
Yeah, so I mean, as you know, Region Seven Seas has been pretty heavily involved in arts and culture. Uh, the Australian Ballet itself is one of the, you know Australia's um, performance icons, I suppose. Mm. Um, it's been around for over sixty years, and it does about two hundred performances here in Australia annually. So uh, those two um, organisations will be well suited for each other. Yeah, and we've also got another partnership, Chris. We've got a partnership this time with Viking and mm. the Cambridge University in the UK. Oh, uh, cool. And they've uh, got a new professorship um, to uh, basically research and develop uh, sciences around the polar environment. Uh, they were very much involved as a consultancy in the designing of the science lab on board the expedition. So if you're not aware, there's a 380-square-foot lab comprising of wet and dry uh, facilities to undertake a whole array of different research, which they undertake when they go to the, the polar extremes. Um, and uh, this partnership will see an expansion on both the Viking Octonus and the Viking Polaris, who will join the fleet in 2022. Yeah, and uh, Octonus uh, debuted earlier this year, didn't she? Yes, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, January, just a couple of months ago, and is already doing great work. She was down in Antarctica, and she's uh, currently sailing towards the Great Lake region, of course, in uh, North America. Yeah, great. And we spoke about Aqua, I think it was last week or the week before, when they were announcing the uh, the new ship that they were sending over to the Galapagos Islands. Uh, this time yeah. we're a little closer to home for us, Chris, and we're up in uh, Indonesia. Yeah, Aqua Blue, so she's returning to um, the Indonesian cruise uh, circuit in, um, well, now actually in April. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's actually going to start with a um, Bali Komodo itinerary, which sounds really nice. Um, and then uh, there'll be a few other itineraries that are available, um, including trips to the Spice Islands mm-hmm. um, from September through to November. Um, and then and a whole heap of um, uh, future voyages, including um, a trip out to Raja Ampat in December. Yeah, so initially these first sailings will be for uh, groups and charters only. That'll take us through to June, mm. and then we'll open up for, for normal, normal sailings. So, of course, Indonesia and Bali in particular just opened um, this last kind of 10 days or so for international tourism. So it's great to see uh, such a beautiful little um, expedition, yacht, I guess you'd call her, as Aqua Blue uh, getting back into service. And, of course, that ties in with Aqua Mare over in the Galapagos we spoke about, and also Aqua Mekong, which will be coming back into service in Vietnam and Cambodia in September. Yeah, fantastic. Now, let's stay with Expedition, but this time in our home waters of the Kimberley. Pananta back and are bringing the beautiful Le Soleil. Yes, exactly. The Kimberley region for 2022. So, of course, that's a pretty popular cruising destination in Western Australia, up the north part of um, the giant state of WA. Mm -hmm. Um, And these ships have a maximum of 350 people. So, uh, they'll be... Um, able to you know offer a slightly larger scale of cruising than what was available during the pandemic with some of the smaller ships. Mm-hmm. Um, 95% of those are balcony cabins, so it's a you know pretty luxurious experience. Um, and they also have their their open bar and spa offering on board as well. Really like the ship and her sisters. It's just a really well thought out layout. Gorgeous colour schemes, and uh, Penant and all the other international cruise lines do a great job of ensuring that uh, you know some significant amount of money goes into these regional communities. So it's great to see uh, the international ships complement the the Australian ships that were, were already operating down here. Um, last but by no means least, we've got some news uh, on the waterways of Europe, Chris. This time, Avalon Waterways have christened their latest ship in Bratislava, which is uh, on the Danube, and Meredith Vieira was the uh, the godmother. Yeah, so she's um, a 15-time Emmy Award-winning uh, person as well as a, a producer and a, a, an anchor, and she uh, she led the christening ceremony, which was fantastic. 
um, you know, uh, there is so much to look forward to, I suppose, when it comes to the uh, European waterways there, Baz, and I know you've spoken about them mm. um, very fondly, but these particular ships, they do sound, they do sound great. Yeah, there's 166 passengers on board the ships. Um, they're about 440 feet long, yep. um, and they have uh, some great accommodation, it looks like, Barry. There's a panorama suite, for example, which is uh, definitely something that you'd aspire towards traveling on, um, with wall-to-wall floor-to-ceiling windows, which give you those beautiful views. Yeah, Avalon will be one of the first to position the bed looking out towards the, the balcony and the window, so pretty much every uh stateroom or balcony sorry every stateroom or cabin on board the vessel does have this beautiful suite like atmosphere where you look out over the beautiful destinations that you're sailing through and of course on the waterways of europe you are literally just a a stone's throw from the shore so there are some great sights to see along the way this ship will be in the danube um where she'll be sailing right through to the the end of this year and some great activities and just a little note for avalon if people Mm. have never considered a river cruise avalon I guess like the big ocean ships, every cruise line has got its own little niche. But with Avalon, it's all about being active and discovering. Um, so it's not necessarily so much about uh, you know large groups of people taking uh, mm. uh, tours of a church. So you can get out on the bikes, you can get out on oh, kayaks, yes, course, you can yeah, yeah get, just be that little bit more active whilst you're out and about. But also, it also is, I mean, um, Avalon's also operating not just in in Europe but also in Southeast yeah. Asia, aren't they? So yeah, yeah, um, there there are special panorama suites which are available on their various ships. They have um, these, these floor-to-ceiling windows that are 11 feet wide on the European fleet, but 14 feet wide on the Southeast Asian fleet, which is, you know, it gives you those fantastic views just from the comfort of your own room. Yeah, of course, in, in Europe, the, the ships are, can only be built as big as the, uh, or as wide as the, the locks mm. can accommodate them. Don't necessarily have that problem up in, in Asia. Mm. And some great news for Australian travellers that may be considering an Avalon cruise. Uh, we don't generally talk about promotions, but this is quite a nice one because for the first time ever, you can earn Qantas frequent flyer points on the Globus family of brands, which includes Avalon, mm-hmm. Cosmos and Globus. And uh, there's a promotion right through to 25 May where you can have doubled the frequent flyer points if you are booking a new river cruise with them. Yeah, I don't know what it's like in many other parts of the world, but in Australia, Qantas frequent flyer points is almost like a secondary currency. (laughs) (laughs) So you see it everywhere from from petrol stations to supermarkets to credit cards to to, to travel partners like this. Um, And I think there'll be a lot of people with a lot of points as the industry opens up again. Well, Chris, that's all we've got time for this week. And uh, we did get through the the amount of news that we had, which was great. Um, We will, of course, be back next week. But once again, a reminder to any of our listeners that may be in Sydney and are able to get down to the the harbour there, please do so. Please send Mm. through a couple of pictures. We'd love to be able to feature feature, uh, the the ship as she arrives. And uh, I'm sure we'll be hearing all about uh, the festivities and the activities from uh, from P&O Australia as well. Well, can't wait to see an Austra- uh, cruise ship back in Australian waters. It's going to be so yeah, exciting. Exactly. Yeah. And even more exciting when she sails with guests for the first time too. Oh, for sure. Gosh, Barry, can you imagine? <laughs> Fabulous, Chris. Always a pleasure, mate. Until next time. Thank you. See you then. Be sure to share the podcast on your favourite social media channels. That's all for today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your favourite podcasts. Until next time, bon voyage. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.